Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Well, for anybody who's a news buff, how many of us like, you know, you watch the news, you read the news, some of us keep up on the news, some of us are watching CNN, some of us are watching, you know, um, some of us are watching Fox News and all these different things. And back in the day when we had newspapers, there was headlines and headings that, you know, sometimes it just said one thing and you didn't get the whole story. But just by looking at the caption, you would say to yourself, I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to read the whole thing or it may you just may assume that it's bad or good news. So for some of you news buffs, I have some pretty interesting articles with some headlines. We're not going to read the whole thing because we don't got time, but we do have some articles that I want you to read. And read with me. Let's get the first one up. It's a pretty interesting article. Breathing oxygen linked to staying alive. That's pretty, uh, I really want to read that one because, man, that's just interesting, right? Anyway, um, let's get the next one. Man kills himself and runs away. That's some news right there. I might want to re- read that one. You know what I mean? I think they got fired. I don't know what happened, but uh, let's see. What other news we got here? Could you imagine reading the newspaper saying this? World Bank says poor need more money. Thank you, Franklin. Can I get an amen? Woo! God knows I needed to hear that one. Um, let's see. Let's see. Next one. Last one. Here we go. One-armed man applauds the kindness of strangers. Could you imagine? The one-armed man applauds. But that's the news sometimes. It has things in it. The headlines, you know, right before you get the whole story, just that one caption can just throw you off. Either you want to hear it, you're interested, or you're not interested. And, you know, you know, news is, can be good and bad. So I want to tell you a story about, you know, I work at the Superior Courthouse in Elizabeth. Everybody knows the courthouse in Elizabeth, right? Over there on uh, Elizabeth, I mean, that's Broad Street, but right there. Um, so I work in the courts. I work with, you know, defendants. I work with judges. I work with prosecutors. I work with defendants. You know, um, they keep me busy. That's all I can tell you. Um, and so, this one week was crazy. Everything's virtual. Court is virtual. So there's a lot of stuff going on. The judge needs, some judges need more help and assistance than others. And you've got to work harder or depending on whether the judge is, you know, comp, you know, I'm not going to say that, but the judge knows what to do. I'll put it that way. You know, it's like, it's like they either, your job is easy or it can be hard. Well, this week was hard. And I'm just tired, man. It's halfway through the week. It's not even in the week, like hump day. It's hump day. And I'm just like, what else can happen? So my boy, my co-worker, he comes to me and he goes, Pastor Harold, which news you want? 
See, right there, I'm like, I don't want no, I don't want no news. You about to, you about to hit me with something. I don't just the just the fact that you said what news you want. You already, I'm already assuming it's the bad news. I don't want to hear. I told him, I'm tired. I don't want to hear nothing. So then he goes, Do you want the good news, or do you want the good news? And I'm like, All right, speak up. I'm listening. Good news and good news. What do you gotta say? So he goes, The judge that's gonna be working next uh, tomorrow. Is actually, you know, this judge. Now, this judge know what he's doing. I don't got to do too. Oh, God bless you. Yeah, she knows what I'm talking about. She's working in court too. So, <laughs> she already know where I'm going. But this judge knows what she's doing. I don't have to do too much. You know, I could just, I, I don't have to stop. I can't, you know, it's not going to change the fact that I got to work. Doesn't change the situation, but it makes it a lot easier, you know. So he, this judge, when I heard that, I went, Oh, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making that way for me. So, you know, I, I still had to work. Things didn't change. But God made a way so that, you know, it was, it was workable and it wasn't as hard. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives. The situation does not change, but God always makes a way to make it easier so that you can bear it. And in that process, God is able to change you to make you better. How many of y'all sometimes say, Lord, change this situation? <laughs> and sometimes it don't come the way you want it or when you want it. But how many know once you say, Lord, I surrender, things get better because it's no longer in your strength. You're relying on him. And even in that, God changed you. And you know what? Even in that bad situation, that's the good news. Can we... Amen. All right. Got some people in here. So that's that's the thing here. You know, um, I just wanted to encourage you that all news from God, all news from God is. Somebody's listening. All right, Tim, I heard you. All news from God is good news. And when you hear God speak, sometimes you look at it as. Oh, Lord, is the bad news. Why is it bad? That's what you got to ask yourself. Is it bad because God is saying something, or is it bad because you don't want to change? So it's a self, it's a self, you know, we all have to, I take this, I take this, this self-inventory every day. I'm speaking to myself as well. Because God speaks in two ways. He speaks in a warning or a promise. A good father gives you a warning. I'm a father of three. My kids are grown. Thank you, Jesus. Well, almost grown. They in their 20s. That don't count. Trust me. They just big kids, but they're getting there. They're getting there. Hallelujah. Um, so this is how I set up my thing with my kids. I said, and y'all know my kids. Shout out to my three boys. Um, I set my thing up like this. I said, these are the rules, son. These are the rules. I'm daddy, y'all the kids. If you break the rules, you get a pow-pow. That's a warning. It's not bad news because it's going to keep you from getting the pow-pow if you listen. So is that bad news? See, it's bad news if you, you're already thinking you're going to do something. I'm going to get a pow-pow because I know what I'm going to do. See, that's when it's bad news. The good news is that if you don't, 
that or, you know what, you do this, 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 you do these chores, and I promise you, you can get, to, you can get certain privileges and things like that. That's how our God is our Father. When God speaks, he's not just this king who sits up here. He is the king. Don't get it twisted, though. Some of y'all are like, oh, he a daddy. No, he is king. Get it? Don't get it twisted. He is king, but he's your father that loves you. And he doesn't want to see anything bad happen to you. But he knows what's best. Your way is better. Amen. You know, I'm a singer. I'm sorry. All right. So we're going to talk about two books today. I'm going to try to be quick because I don't want PC coming in here and pull my coattail. So we got two books today that I'm going to talk about. And these two books come from Zephaniah and Haggai. And we've heard this ongoing theme for a long time. All through this year, we're going through the Word of God. We're hearing how God is speaking to his people, these moments that he's, 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 he's appearing and he's doing things in each book. And God is doing something in these minor prophet books that aren't necessarily these visual miracles, but it's just as powerful. It's so much just as powerful because he's speaking. And how many know when he speaks, things happen, right? When God spoke, he said, let there be light. And there was light. We'll get to that later. Don't worry about it. I know y'all looking at it, but he's he about to turn it on. No, I'm not. Not right now. But the thing about it is when God speaks, are you listening? And the way we're supposed to respond is through. There's four different ways we're supposed to respond. But I want you to understand this. When you read the word, when God speaks to you, it's always good news. Get it out of your head that it's bad news. Because when God speaks, you have to respond. God is waiting for a response from you. It's a relationship. When I put this on, my wife waits for me to respond. When, when she put on her ring, I'm waiting for her to respond. Y'all so dirty. Come on now. Keep it clean. <laughs> the overarching theme is that all news from God is good news. The word that God gave to both these prophets for his people, as I said, were warnings. The children of Israel had to make a choice. Everybody say choice. Either to take heed of God's warnings and walk away from a sinful and self, their sinful and selfish ways and choose. Everybody say choose. Choose to walk with God with half of their heart with some of their heart, just a little bit, just here, but not here. Somebody said their whole heart. That's what God, that's the response God wants. Now, I'm going to do something really tricky here. Wait, I'm going to get ahead of myself. If not, now I'm going to get to this point. If not, they would face judgment of God because of continuing in their sin and walking in disobedience. It's one or the other, y'all. We all have to deal with this. It's one or the other. So this is what I'm going to do. There's four responses that I'm going to mention through this message. And I'm going to ask you to repeat them. 
this is going to be kind of hard because I like saying, somebody say, and I'm going to try to just do this, only with the four. So it's going to be interactive, but I want you to repeat when I say somebody, you know, repeat this word. Those are the four. I hope you're taking notes because those are the four that responses that you are responsible for when responding to God. And everybody, you already had said the one. The first one is making a choice. The first one is choosing. All right? Now, before I talk, I want to set some ground rules here. The bottom line to most sin, even to hate, it's not hate. Even sin, it's not that. It's what brings you to that. The root of all of it is pride. Pride makes you self-centered. Pride makes us justify our sin. I'm just that way. It's just who I am. And it doesn't care who it hurts. I say what I want and I'll apologize later. I actually heard that from a brother in Christ. That's pride. It doesn't glorify God. Doesn't care who it hurts in the process. And this is the one. Pride is easily offended. You could try to, have y'all ever been there where you try to help somebody? Listen, I know, you know, if I could just, you know, and this person is just, even at offices, mostly, sometimes at offices, you deal with people and they just walling out. And you just saying to yourself, you know, if, if I could just tell them. And if you go and tell them, you know what they're going to do. <gasps> Who are you talking to? Excuse me? No, you didn't. You know how it goes. You know, you work at Shoppers World. No, you didn't. But, you know, if you work... <laughs> Depending on who you, where you're working at, you know what I'm saying? You get certain reactions, you know what I'm saying? So, Tajay, no, you didn't. But then, you know, you're working in an office. Well, I never. It's the same response. It's just different, you know what I mean? But that's what pride does. The man of God will try to come and help you. God's word will come and try to help you to get back on the right track. But you're so prideful. You get offended before you learn anything. All right. See, and this is the other thing. It's another thing to be prideful. It's another thing to be prideful. So, you know, prideful says, you know what? Well, and it's another thing. Well, let me take that around. It's one thing to take pride in what you do. You know, I'm good at this, and I can teach you too. You know, you could take pride in what you do, but you don't reflect on someone else. You know, I'm... I, I take pride in being black. I'm a, listen, thank God for y'all. I'm black, hallelujah. But I'm not going to say I'm better than you because I'm black. You know where I'm going with this too, white folk. You, I'm white. That's fine. And you can be happy about that. But then I'm white and you're not. That's prideful. It's one thing to be, take pride in what you do. You can take pride in being a Christian. I'm a man of God. Oh, I take pride in that. Y'all, some, some of y'all see me wearing my Christian shirts, repping Christ. I see some of y'all with, I decided. I mean, y'all doing y'all thing. You taking pride, but you ain't being prideful. You know what they call prideful Christians? Self-righteous. 
the Pharisees and Sadducees were self-righteous. They were prideful. So then that's the seed of that one. The other part, the seed of serving God and the seed of growing in God is humility. Now, humility is selfless. It's teachable. It's not easily offended. You could learn something because you're willing to learn. You're willing to care for someone else. It cares for others, and it's willing to change. And in that response of hearing God's word and, and responding in certain ways, then you grow and you get back on, right, on the right track with God. So everybody say humility. Humility. Let's check our hearts today. Are we prideful or are we humble? Let's pray that we make that change right now. Let's be humble enough to hear God's word, the good news, and make a change. All right? So during the time, I'm going through the first book. During the time of Zephaniah's ministry, Josiah was newly appointed as king from the ripe old age of eight. An eight-year-old king, Josiah, shout out to my boy. Um, Sticks, we call him here. But Josiah was king from 640 to 609 B.C. And prior to him, there were two kings that were also, prior to him, there were two kings that were corrupt and worshiping other false gods. And Zephaniah, being part of the royal court, brought a warning to the young, to the young king. And that he heeded, and, st- and that stayed the hand of the Lord's judgment. So God brought a word through Zephaniah through Zephaniah, to this king. And as the king responded, the people responded. As leadership responded, the people responded. The news was that, listen, I'm a holy God. My people are doing, they're, they're, they're not even, it's not even walking the fence. I mean, they're worshiping other gods, lying and cheating and corrupting. Or is it so corrupt they're oppressing other people? You know, um, just falling into all these sins that when you, lose fo- when you lose focus on God, you find yourself easily doing other things. And then sometimes we say to ourselves, how did we even get here? Because we've lost focus. So God comes through Zephaniah and says, listen, the warning to the children of Israel starts with calling out those that are worshiping pagan idols in their temples and those whose sins might be easy to see. But God also was dealing with another sin. It's called complacency. Complacent. Just sitting back, just letting things roll, not saying anything. Just tolerating and allowing other things. As long as it doesn't bother me, then it's okay. So Zephaniah 1.12 God says, at that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left in dregs. The complacent think the Lord will do nothing, either get good or bad. So God is just sitting up there letting everything go. The complacent don't do anything. But how many know to decide not to do anything? is a sin in itself. Not to make a choice. You have to be, you have to choose. The Bible says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. Amen? I don't want to get ahead of myself. 
The reference here to the wine in the dregs refers to the wine at the bottom of the barrel that is sitting in the worthless parts. So back then, you know, they didn't have what we got, these machinery, these distilleries, and, you know, y'all go to wine tasting tests, and they go through all these different barrels and stuff, and you get all this great, clear alcohol and all sorts of stuff. I ain't, I'm not promoting. Pray for me, because don't get it twisted. But I am saying that it goes through this process. Their process wasn't that sophisticated back then. It was more like toe jam, you know what I'm saying, stanky leg in there. They was doing things. They was, you know, they, they were pressing stuff out, but other stuff came with it. It was all at the bottom. And God is saying, now who wants to drink the pulp and all this other toe jam stuff and the skins? And, and you know how grapes have them little branches that get stuck in there and they get stuck in your teeth if you're drinking it? I know some of y'all are going, eh. But some of us, God is saying, that's what it's like. It's the worthless parts. He compares complacency to the worthless parts, the leftover pieces and things like that. Now, some of y'all, how many of y'all like espresso? You can raise your hand. Okay, espresso. God bless you. We can talk later. We can do lunch. But espresso. Now, I went to this, help me out, honey, Lebanese place in Cranford. Somebody said, y'all. Yo. If you ever went to this, there's Lebanese place. I don't know the name, but God bless this place. What'd they say? Who said it? City. You, you better be not. You serious? It is? It's called City Grill? Okay, it might be City Grill. You might be right. So this place has Turkish espresso. And my goodness, it comes in this little cup. And I ain't going to lie, half of it is coffee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, oh, it's like Greek, oh, okay, you know, Mediterranean, you know how it goes. But at the bottom, I'm sipping, I'm drinking, and then I go, ah, mud all in my mouth. Mud! Now, how many of y'all want to drink mud? It's beautiful at the top. Oh, it's going down smooth. But I'm telling you, the other half of that thing is mud. But it tastes so good. Until you get to that part, God is saying, those of us that are complacent, that choose not to do anything, that choose not to be all in or all out, they're like, that stuff, it's worthless. You throw it out. That in itself is a sin. So God doesn't want to, God doesn't want to, you know, God is saying, if that's you, if you're complacent, if you choose to do nothing or say nothing, that's a sin, and that's worthless. What good is saying, I love the Lord, but you don't take a stand for anything? There's some people at your job, you, you know who they are. I love the Lord. In the next minute, y'all already know. They are who? They are what? All right. But God says to his people that he will search their hearts with lamps as like someone shining a light in the dark, exposing in a, in a dark room and exposing the things that are hidden. See, when, it, when it's dark, you don't see anything, you know. But what does the light do? It expo- exposes everything. 
the complacent might not consider themselves sinners because, you know, I punch in, I punch out, I come in every Sunday, I give my tithe, I dress nice, I look good, everything's fine. Is it though? But they don't consider themselves sinners, but they may even say that, you know, I'm just keeping it low. I'm being neutral, you know, because I don't want to pick sides because you know what happens when you pick sides, you ruffle feathers. So I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to do those things. But understand, when the light shines on them, God could see in their hearts that they did not believe that God cared in the lives of men. And they lived like it didn't matter what they did or didn't do because God was not, you know, God was not a God who got involved in men's affairs. See, this is sin in itself because it's the sin of not believing in God's providence. God sees, God cares, God knows. And who does he call to be his hands and feet? We are the body. We are the body. So some of y'all are saying, well, what can I do? I'm just an ordinary person. I, you know, ain't nothing for me to do. I'm not really interested in anything. I didn't see nothing I preferred. But God has given you a purpose. We all are in this together. We all, put it in the chat, you have a purpose. We all play an important part. And if you haven't realized what it is yet, there's still time. Because God's warning is here. The good news is here. It's not bad news if you're not prideful. Because humility will say, you know what? I need to respond to this. God is speaking to you now to make a choice. See, Martin Luther King once said, In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. He also went on to say, the ultimate tragedy is not oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. Complacency says, that's just the way it is. Some things will never change, right? But is that the way it is? If God is still on the throne, that's not just the way it is. Because you know what? He didn't need us, but he chose us. God made a choice on us. We have to make a choice on him. Somebody say choice. Hallelujah. I hope I'm hoping I'm helping somebody. God is concerned with the matters of men, and he wants his people to be concerned as well. We are to be his voice. We are to be his voice, to take a stand against oppression, take a stand against injustice, to take a stand against division, immorality, and anything that comes against the kingdom of God. And even in today's society, we see how some things in culture are tolerated, but they come against the kingdom of God. We see it. But God says, you are my voice. I'm choosing you. Now, God did say, I'm going to judge my people. He already said it. But when judgment, because you know why? Just as Elias said last week, God is holy and he does what he has to do. Does God... He does not tolerate sin, and he wants a holy remnant, a holy people. 
And there's a holy remnant that God is calling for here in Christ fellowship as well as in this world. And we are either with it or not. And sometimes he has to shake that tree to let all the rotten ones get, you know, hit the ground so that what's left is the people that will serve him. Amen? I know this is tight, but it's right. I didn't say it. God said it. God wants us to take a stand against these things. That means you are his voice. We as a body and you as an individual are his voice. How important is that? How special is that? That's how special God made you. See, the good news is, though, he made a promise, even though he gave a warning. Either don't be complacent. He gave a warning. But at the same time, he's going to give a promise because they're going to go in exile because of sin. But he's going he's to make a promise to bring, restore his people. The good news is we find in chapter 3, God promises to his people on that day, Jerusalem will not be put to shame for all the wrong things you have done to me. Because I will remove from you your arrogant boasters, the prideful. There it goes again. Never again will you be haughty, or in other words, prideful on my holy hill. Nothing takes God's place. Nothing should distract from God's uh, presence and glory. Amen? But I will leave within you the meek and the humble. Somebody say humble. The remnant of Israel, I will trust in the, the remnant of Israel will trust in the name of the Lord, and they will do no wrong. They will tell no lies. A deceitful tongue will not be found in their mouths, and they will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. God is restoring his people. It's a promise we see time and time again in the word of God. And then he goes on to say this in chapter 3, verse 17. I'm sorry, in Zephaniah, he says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love, and he will no longer rebuke you but he will rejoice with, over you with singing. God would love to sing over you. So maybe that's why I like to sing back to him. I could imagine me saying, I love you, Lord. There's no one like you. And he's going, I just love this. Keep singing back to me because I love when you do that. Have you ever sang a song to the Lord and just felt overwhelmed? That's God saying, when you say, I love you, he goes, I love you too. And he holds you in his arms. That's what that moment is when we sing, you can have my heart. And he goes, thank you. I know y'all, don't laugh at me. I get silly. But God said, even in that moment, that those humble, that remnant of people that he saves and restores, he says, I don't have to rebuke you anymore. You know why? Because they have chosen to respond and walk with God. Because they were humble enough. So somebody say choice. Somebody say humble. Amen. Let's receive and let's learn. Let's, do, let's respond in humility. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't even know God. I bet you God got a nice voice too. All right. So in the second book, in the second book, 
And remember, this is all good news because it's warnings from daddy before you make a boo-boo and you get a pow-pow. And then it's a promise for those that do respond. Okay? So in Haggai, there's only two chapters to this book, but there's so much in these two chapters. Again, God is speaking. How powerful. How, there's no, it doesn't get any better than God just speaking to you. So, so in chapter 2, uh, it takes place during the Persian Empire. Because remember, God, because of sin, they were brought in captivity and exile. And this is where they were. So time goes on. And King Cyrus at that time, in 539, they conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Sixteen years later, during the reign of King Darius, the temple still had not been built. So God delivers you, but yet his house is not being taken care of. Haggai brings a word to the governor of Jerusalem, which was Zerubbabel. We heard that one before, right? Zerubbabel. (laughs) And, you know, to finish God's building, to finish God's temple. See, the people reaped little because they paid more attention to their own interests rather than focusing on the things of God. Haggai chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, let's hear what God had to say to his people through Haggai. It says, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is time for you, time for yourselves to be, wait, is it a time? For you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. You have not planted, you planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You, th- you drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not worn. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. I read that. I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. That's all I need is a purse with holes in it. That's all I need. So you're doing all these things, but you're leaving me out of the equation, and you wonder why you don't have enough. You don't feel fulfilled. You're never satisfied. Because you're taking more, you're taking more priority into yourself. This is the thing. He made a, he gave a warning. They went into exile. Now King Cyrus brings them out. What do you do when you? What would you do if you were brought out by God? If He parted the Red Sea in your life? Oh well, everything's good now. I could just do what I want. Or do you go back and you say, God, thank you so much. What did it? So this remnant that God, even then, God has to go right back because that's the nature of who we are. Just like my brother said, Jesus, sometimes we forget. Just like with communion, sometimes we forget what Jesus did. That's why we do it in remembrance of him. In times of little harvest in our lives, it may mean that we need to draw closer to God and reprioritize the things of God first in our lives. There's never fulfillment or plenty if God is not first. See, are you willing to sacrifice your time 
Are you willing to sacrifice your talents and treasures to be with the Lord and honor God or not? This is what they forgot. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first. See, I wanted to say repeat first, but that's not one of the things responsive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Everybody wants all these things, but you're forgetting something. You're supposed to keep him first. Seek first the kingdom of God. See, the children of Israel were so concerned with trying to gain comfort and provision for themselves through their own strength, and that that it would not fulfill them at all. God says fulfillment is not possible without his presence. It's God's presence that makes the difference in how things work out in our lives. And that is what the children of Israel failed to remember when they were brought out of exile. I would have been thanking God, and their houses are looking all good, but then, you know, they're leaving God's place. God's temple has taken no priority, so God's presence is not there. So they're making crops and they're doing all these things, but it's not succeeding because he's not there. What I want you to remember is this. If I don't tell you anything else today, don't forget God. When God blesses you, don't forget God. I've seen God bless others, and they've forgotten God and even walked away from the church. God loves you too much. God loves you too much to give you what you want. He'll give you what you need because then you will always remember God. I mean, it's more important to trust God as opposed to the blessing because who does it come from? God. It's all about God. Don't ever forget God. See, the temple back then was so important because God's presence, as God's presence dwelled in the temple, it dwelled in that nation. But God went a step further because fast forward to today, God uses another temple. He uses you as a temple. He uses me as a temple. See, the temple of God's presence wishes to dwell in you. That's the temple he desires today. We are made up of three things. and I'm going to go through this quickly. We are made up. See, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. So the body is the temple of the Lord in which he desires to dwell in. But this is the, this is the you know, this is the uh, challenge of it all. It's also the flesh. So it is the temple as long as you're submitting to God, but it's also the flesh that you have to allow surrender to God in order for it to be a temple that he can dwell in. Do we understand what I'm saying here? I know I'm getting kind of deep and trying to keep it simple, but it's so important to understand this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? You are the temple. God's Spirit dwells on the inside, which means you bring the presence of God anywhere you go. It goes with you. And guess what happens? The atmosphere is changing now. I can walk in the jo- and I can walk in the work. And back in Newark, they used to call me Bishop. 
They already labeled me. That's Bishop. They be talking, you know, sassafras and so-and-so, and then they look back and go, oh, Bishop's here. The atmosphere is changed. Because the temple, I'm bringing in the spirit, the temple. Amen? But if, if I was in the flesh, they'd be like, come on, you know we're talking. Get the tea. Get the tea. You know what we're talking about. All right. So then we have the soul. The soul is the place where our passion, our desires, our emotions, those things that make us feel good, the things that we drive and desire, that's where, that is what is, you know, it's on the inside of us. But whatever has control of the soul has control over you. So that means whatever's taking up your mind, whatever's taking up your time, whatever's taking up your thoughts, if it ain't God, guess what it is? It's the idol. And whatever's taking up your mind has control of you because your desires go with that. But see, when you have, that's why God says, you know, that's why God is saying, put me first. Put me first. Dwell in your presence, in my presence with me. That way you won't fulfill those desires and lusts of the flesh. So God is in, is, 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 there's a battle for your soul, for your desires. Because when you desire after God, when you desire after God, you always come back home and you always, you, you, you walk away and run away from sin to be with God. Amen? Now, your spirit, that is the part that is either in fellowship with God in his presence or separated from God as a result of walking away from God. Due to giving your attention to something or someone else. You see, I know we've been talking about lights and lamps and stuff like that. But think of it as this. See, the light shines, bringing exposure to all the hidden things that are in the dark places of your life. And it will only light up when it's plugged in. And that would be the source. So this lamp, this bulb... This bulb, just a bulb. It's just like, it's just like that. The it's useless. It's useless. Being complacent, just sitting here, ain't doing nothing. Ain't doing nothing. Let me get a flashlight, right? So, it's only good when it's connected. And when it's plugged into the source. Thomas Edison all over again. The light is only as good as what it's plugged into. The light is only as good as what it's plugged into. Your spirit connected to the source in God's presence illuminates. I'm going blind just standing next to it. I'm like, whoa, where did everybody go? All right. But (laughs) when it's plugged in, it's the source of the energy that gives it its purpose. See, by making a choice to live according to God's word, we are living in obedience. Somebody say obedience. Mm. I love obedience. God dwelling, God dwells in those 
who are obedient. See, when you're humble and when you're, when you're dwell, and you put God first and you're dwelling in his presence, you're plugged into the source, the light shines. Let your light shine, people. Mm, I hope I'm helping somebody. All right. So by doing that, your soul is fulfilled. It doesn't matter how, when you don't trust in your job for your source, when you don't trust in another person's um, validation for your source, when you don't trust in likes on social media as your source, then you're fulfilled because God is your source. Woo, did somebody just get that? Woo, glory to God. And there's nothing prideful about that because your love of God spills out to everyone else. And some of y'all are going around talking about, why ain't it working? Why do everything? And, and you ain't been in church in a long time. And you've been grinding all on your own, and you weren't, weren't worrying about that job instead of worrying about, you know, instead of following God. Maybe it's because you need to draw closer to God. Maybe you need to get plugged in. Amen? Glory to God. Psalms. Psalms 30, hallelujah, I like that. So I say, woo. Psalms 37 and 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, not your heart, but your heart that has been changed into his heart. Your desires become his desires. So as your spirit lights up, He can give you the desires of your heart because you know why? You're satisfied in him. Ooh, I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. PC, how much time I got? Give me a minute. Okay, I'm almost there. Woo! God's presence changes everything, including you. God's presence changes everything. Hallelujah. He said, behold, you're a new creature in Christ. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new because you're plugged in. Thank you, Jesus. God's presence is the source of identity. You know who you are. You don't wonder who you are. You don't want to change who God made you because he's your identity. He is who you are. You are because of who he is. The light. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. God gives you the so He's the source of your identity. He's the source of your purpose. And all good things come from God. So you delight in the Lord. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain, not money with contentment. Don't be content in your money. Don't be content in, in your circumstances because those things come and go. But God's presence never changes. God's promise never changes. So when you are satisfied with God, you have all you need. Oh, Jesus, I didn't mean to preach. I'm sorry. But to, but to be, I wish I had an organ player. No, I'm kidding. But to be separated from God's presence is to be spiritually dead. Because without God, there's no hope. Without God, there's no way. Without God, there's no promise. And that's why all news from God is good news, y'all. 
When somebody tells you something and they want to give you something from the word, speak to me. Let me know because God is speaking. And all news from God is good news. I want to hear what he's, because you know what? I have to make a choice. Somebody say choice. And I have to be humble to hear and respond to what God says. Amen? So sin is different. The opposite of God's presence is living in sin. But it always keeps wanting more. It's never satisfied. See, greed, pride, and lust, it's all about what I want, what you can give me, what I can take from you. And some of y'all from Hamilton, it takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. Some of y'all can get that reference from Hamilton. It takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. That's why you're never satisfied. You see, when you're living in sin and separated from God, you're as useless as this light bulb without no purpose. Jesus. Shama mama. So let your light shine. Put that in the chat. Let your light shine. Amen? See, don't let your body be used by the evil one for evil. Don't let him take control of your soul. Don't let him get so deep. Don't let those thoughts that come and say, you know what, my friends, or you know when you start walking with God and those friends that you know you shouldn't be around, all of a sudden they're calling you now. They didn't know you when you were all down and out. When your money ran out, they didn't know you. But all of a sudden, I have decided to follow Jesus. Guess what? Ring. What's up, bruh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They always come when it's, you know, and, and the enemy knows this. And then you, in your spirit, you're letting that, them desires. You know, you know, let's go run that, you know, let's run them numbers. Let's go play that dice. Let's go do this other thing. Let's go look at this. Let's go do that. Let's go to that club. You know what it is. I don't even have to tell you what it is. But don't let those things get so deep in your soul that it drives you away from God. Let your heart and your soul desire after God. See, as Hagar shared the word of the Lord to Israel, the spirit of Zerubbabel, I like saying that. You should have never did that. The spirit of Zerubbabel and Joshua, who were the leaders of Israel at that time, were moved to repent. Somebody say repent. All right, you're getting there. Those are the three so far. We choose, we're humble, and then we repent. Hmm. These are the responses to God's word. So they responded by repenting and responded to the word of God in obedience, and they started to rebuild the temple as God commanded. God once again promises that they would experience restoration, deliverance, healing, and abundant blessing. And all they had to do is repent. Nothing makes me feel more. I got one of my, I don't want to put my kid on blast, but. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to name names. But I got this one child. One time he lied to me. And I took him to what's called Spanky Town. We went to Spanky Town. And I spanked that behind. But ever since then, I can count on this kid never to lie to me again. He responded. <laughs> he repented. And he walked in obedience, and I can trust this kid. And that's what they did. They responded. And it made God's heart so happy. 
because as he repented, see, my child said, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to say it anyway. My child said, he didn't just say sorry for one day. My child said, I'm sorry from now on. He said, I'm sorry from this day forward. And I'm not going to lie to my dad ever again or to my mom. Y'all know who that is, but I ain't trying to, you know. My kids know who they are. (laughs) See, repentance is not just saying I'm sorry for today, but that I'm going to turn away from sin from now on. From this day forward, this only happens, but you can only repent when you are humble. Because the prideful will get offended. <gasps> I can't change. It's just who I am. I'm going to lie again tomorrow. But it only happens when you are a humble. Somebody say humble. Humble enough to own up to your sin and change your behavior and walk in obedience. Somebody say obedience. Those are the four responses. In Haggai, chapter 1, verse 13, says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to his people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, And the spirit of the whole remnant. See, there's something to this. Pray for your leaders. Because when the leaders respond to God, the people respond to God. But when the leaders are corrupt and they respond to culture, there's a chance that the people will do the same. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We live in a time. Where sometimes these leadership, the leadership we have has responded to culture. And guess what else? Everything else has done the same. And God is saying in this time, who do you choose? Who do you choose? What side do you pick? All in or not in? Not in the middle. All in or not in? We are that remnant, and God's saying, rebuild it. And so as the leaders, and that's why I'm not saying you bash your leaders. You pray for your leaders and let God do what you can't do. Amen? I know I'm preaching. Because what God is saying is, put me first and let me handle it. Let me handle it. Do we have a remnant of people who will give it to God, put him first, and let him handle it. Jesus. Let me finish this scripture. I hope it's still up there. Bring that scripture up. I ain't done with it. I know. I'm long with it. I'm preaching. I'm sorry. As they came and began to work on the house of the Lord, almighty their God, the people and the leadership came together, responded, They were humble. They chose. Let me get it right. They chose. They were humble. They repented and said, from this forth, I'm going to obey you, God. And they were obedient, which brought forth God's promise of restoration. They rebuilt the temple. Before, they were so worried about themselves, but they were separated from God and saying, why ain't anything happened? Why ain't anything succeeding that I'm doing? 
And then God said, gave them the word and their spirit connected and they were plugged into the source. Ooh, that's blinding. All right. But so now is the time to do what God requires. Don't wait for perfection. See, God will take you just the way you are. He will change you as you dwell in his presence. You're wait- so I've heard some prideful people, will. this is a form of pride. I know you may not realize that, but when you say, well, you know, I'm just waiting for God. I'm waiting for me to get things right. And then I'll come to God. Last I checked, I know I can't get nothing right. I can't get, do anything right without God. It's through his strength. So I have to come to him as I am. Come to him as you are. He will do the changing. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. In his presence, he will do the changing. Don't wait. You see, the good news is we have a choice. The good news is you have a choice. The most spiritual thing you can do. I, 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 from the first time I ever heard it, can we all bow our head and close our eyes? Because this is the time to focus on God. The most spiritual thing you can do is make a choice. See, we can heed the warning of the Lord and walk in God's ways because God always makes a way. Or we can face the consequences of God's judgment because of continuing to walk in disobedience. See, God has given us the word, and now it's time to make a choice. Josiah made a choice to humble himself, repent, and turn to God and walk in obedience. Zerubbabel and Joshua chose to humble themselves, repent, turn to God, and walk in obedience. The question I have for you today is what will you choose? Not just for today, but from now on. What are you choosing today? There's a song. There's a song that goes way back, but it it is so, because the words are so powerful, it is just as powerful today as it was yesterday. And as I sing this song, you are making a choice right now. We are not going to sit on the fence any longer. We are going to choose to be all in or not at all. God bless those of you that have been baptized. I see these shirts I've decided. I didn't even know that they were going to wear a shirt that said I've decided. They've already made their choice. God bless you but nobody looking at nobody else. This is the chance. This is the opportunity. God's word is here. It's time to you to respond with a choice. There's something that you need to repent from. There's something that has been separating you from God. God is calling you home. Your father is saying, before you get judged, before I cast judgment, hear my warning. Avoid judgment. Repent. Give it to me. And let me, make me first plug in and be a light and I'll restore everything in your life. Whatever you're struggling with, now is the time to come forward. Come to this altar as I sing a little bit of this song.
make this your testimony and come forward. Nobody's looking at you, and the only one you have to answer to is God. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided, somebody help me, to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. If somebody can help me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. Father, we don't want to turn back. God made time. Step out of eternity and into time. Just to spend time with you, Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. God created time, stepped out of eternity, and stepped into time just to spend time with you. And all he's asking for you to do is make room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you that all news from you is good news. And Father, we respond. We choose to be humble and come in your presence and repent of those things that we put in your place. And we allow you to break down those walls, God. That from this day forward, we're going to walk in obedience with you and allow you to be in our presence and that bring your presence everywhere we go, that your light will shine. We don't just want to be a light bulb that is useless. We want to be a light bulb that shines bright everywhere you bring us, God. And Father, we desire from this day forward to walk in obedience, to walk in your word that you may fulfill us. To walk in your word that your love would overflow through us into a dying world. We hear your word, God. And from this day forward, God, we choose you. We want to be your voice against injustice. We want to be your voice 
against oppression. We want to be your voice against immorality. We want to be your voice, God, against hatred and division. Because your way is better, God. Your way is better. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.